Hello and welcome to Leanne Ward Nutrition, a podcast where you will find expert advice on all things health and nutrition related. Each week, we will discuss my three niche areas of gut health, emotional eating and sustainable fat loss. My hope for this podcast is to cut through the BS online and show you real, practical and evidence-based messages around nutrition so you can live your best life day in and day out. So sit tight, buckle up and let's get started on today's podcast. Welcome to podcast number 44 and today is a special one. We are going to do a Q&A with myself. I get asked similar things on social media all the time, so I put it out to you guys on my Instagram stories to ask me some questions so I can answer them on the podcast. And today I've chosen the top seven questions I think would benefit so many of you, and I'll be answering them on the podcast today in a Q&A series. Now, this is the first time that I've done something like this, so if you enjoy it, please be sure to leave me a review and let me know so I can do more in the future and potentially answer more of your questions in the future. Now, before we jump in, today's podcast is brought to you by my premium coaching program, Lean Gut Mind Method. In this busy world, women struggle to prioritize their health, and they constantly find themselves frustrated with a lack of results. Lean Gut Mind Method Coaching Service provides expertise, personalization, and a proven system of tools so that women find themselves empowered to live their best lives in a body that they choose. If you're a female who struggles with weight loss, emotional eating, and poor gut health, and you're ready to change once and for all, let me and my team help you. Lean Gut Mind Method is the last nutrition program you will ever need to invest in, and it's the first program you will ever see lasting results from. Let us show you the way. Apply for my premium one-on-one coaching program at www.leangutmindmethod.com. That's leangutmindmethod.com. Now, let's get into our listener questions today in the Q&A episode. So question number one for our listener, she says, I'm eating healthy foods, but maybe too much for body fat loss. Is the solution to eat less? So there's a couple of things that I think about when somebody asks me these sorts of things. So the first one is that the solution isn't necessarily to eat less in terms of the amount of food. Um, You know, it's to eat the same or more volume wise, but obviously less calories. So if you're not achieving the body fat loss that you you want, you're obviously overeating um, too many calories. So you don't necessarily have to reduce the portion of food that you're eating, but you need to reduce the um, energy density in that food. So the easiest way to do that is have a look at um, the amount of fat that you're eating. So a lot of times when people say to me, I eat super, super healthy, they forget that even healthy types of fat are very energy dense. So things like um, nuts, extra virgin olive oil, avocado, they're all very healthy for us, yes, but fat is a very energy-dense macronutrient. So gram for gram, fat provides more than double the calories than what protein and um, carbohydrates do. So if you're eating super healthy, but you're still not achieving weight loss, I'd look at the amount of healthy fats that you're eating, because we honestly only need a really small amount of healthy fats in our diet, around 20 to 25, 30% for some people, depending on your goals and um, your body type and that sort of thing. So look the amount of healthy fats that you're eating. If you're throwing coconut oil into your smoothies, you're layering avocado onto, you know, everything and you're putting, you know, you're eating nuts by the handful out of the bag, that's probably a really good place to start. But you don't necessarily want to eat less 
food in terms of volume when you're trying to lose body fat. The idea is to eat as much volume dense food as you can. And the easiest way to do that is to fill up on heaps and heaps of fiber from our vegetables and salad. And it's also to drink lots of water as well, because um, a lot of times people uh, feel extra hungry between their meals because they're not hydrating well as well. So a good goal would be to aim for 35 grams of fiber a day, mostly from our fruits, our veggies, our lean whole grains, whole pieces of fruit and that sort of thing. Um, plenty of water and look at the amount of um, healthy fats you're consuming and potentially try to reduce that. As a bit of a standard, we aim for about a thumb size amount of healthy fat um, in each meal. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, and I think it's also a good point here to make to, to monitor your weight each week under the same conditions. So what I mean by that is a lot of people say, you know, I'm not making any progress on the scale, but the scale is a really difficult um, thing to measure progress, particularly in the short term. You can, you know, it can take up to four weeks to actually see um weight loss reflected on the scale. So make sure you're weighing yourself under the same condition and never more than once a week. You're never going to see progress on the scale um, any any quicker than it you know, once a week at an absolute minimum. So if you're jumping on the scale every day, trying to assess whether or not you're actually losing weight and making progress, you're just doing more detriment to yourself and you're potentially going to derail yourself even quicker. Um, so my recommendation for the majority of my clients is at, a, at an absolute maximum, weigh once a week. Most of my clients will only weigh every two to four weeks um, because I'd rather them focus on their behaviors rather than obsess about their weight. So focus on your healthy behaviors, eat well, and make sure you're weighing yourself maybe once a week, maybe once a fortnight under the same conditions. And what I mean by that is, you know, generally um, the easiest condition is to wake up, to use the bathroom and to weigh yourself in the morning on the same sort of day each morning, like on a Monday or on a Friday each week. Because if you're weighing yourself Monday morning one week, Thursday afternoon the next week, and Saturday lunchtime the next week, you're not really weighing under the same conditions because the things that we do each day can influence our scale weight as well. How much we've eaten, whether we've gone to the bathroom, whether we've exercised, hormones, that sort of thing. So you want a consistent weight for yourself each week or each fortnight. Um, so that's a sort of a little tip for you guys to monitor progress and track your, track your progress. But I wouldn't say that the sol solution is necessarily to eat less. Calories, yes. Volume-wise, no. So make sure your meals are super, super full of um, lean protein, a good quality complex carbohydrate um, and aim for the plate guide, you know, aim for a quarter of your plate to be lean protein, a quarter of your plate to be some complex carbohydrates and at least half your plate or, you know, two, three, four cups full of non-starchy vegetables or lots and lots of salad. The more color, the better. So I hope that that helps to answer question number one. Now, question number two from our listener says, is it possible to eat too much fruit in one day? Well, this is a very difficult one, I guess, to answer for the general population, because I guess it depends on the other things that you're eating as well. And also what your goals are, how much of other things that you're eating as well. But generally for some people, particularly those with um, IBS or gut health symptoms, too much fruit can mean um, some excessive symptoms. So this type of sugar in fruit, fructose, can um, give people with sensitive tummies symptoms. So if you find that you're getting um, gas, bloating, diarrhea, that sort of thing, and you're eating you know, multiple, multiple pieces of fruit or juice or dried fruit a day, potentially it is a good idea to back off. The recommended health guidelines in Australia say to aim for two pieces of whole fruit a day. Um, my recommendation is a whole fruit. The guidelines actually just say two serves of fruit, which I think we can encompass dried fruit, fruit juice. Again, if your goal is weight loss, I'd 100% recommend focusing on whole pieces of fruit, not juice and dried fruit and that sort of thing, because you're just not going to get the fullness and satisfaction feeling from a cup of juice versus a whole piece of fruit. So 
Generally, we want to aim for about two pieces of fruit a day. If you have um, more of a plant-based lifestyle and you're eating a great plant-based diet, which is full of whole foods, you can, of course, get away with more, more pieces of fruit a day. But the thing is that too much of anything means that you're going to miss out on other key nutrients. And there are reasons in the guidelines that we have, um, you know, amounts and recommendations for different types of macronutrients and micronutrients, because if you're focusing, you know, if you're going to eat 90% of carbs a day, you're going to be missing out on vital protein and healthy fats. And same deal if you're going to eat 90% protein each day, you're going to miss out on vital, you know, fiber and carbohydrates and healthy fats as well. So too much of anything, even if it's healthy, can be detriment to our health because we're missing out on um, on other things as well. So I guess it's not really easy to answer that. Is it possible to eat too much fruit? It really does depend on your goals and your intakes of other food, but I think it's a good standard. Aim for about two pieces of whole fruit a day. If you're not aiming for weight loss or you're actually aiming to gain some weight, you can definitely have a few more pieces, but fruit does have that natural sugar in it, fructose, and too much in some people um, can actually lead to symptoms such as diarrhea and a bit of bloating and gas as well. So just keep that in mind as well. But if you are following a predominantly whole food plant-based diet, you can absolutely get away with, um, you know, three, four pieces of fruit a day as well. But I generally recommend to people to spread that intake of fruit out throughout the day as well, because fruit is a natural carbohydrate. It's a great source for us. But as we talked about in um, the previous question, too much of anything, um, even healthy foods could be a detriment depending on your goals. So if your goal is fat loss, um, I generally recommend sticking to around about that two pieces of fruit a day. Some days you may have none, some days you may have three pieces, but try to evenly distribute your intake throughout um, throughout the day and also throughout the week because, you know, different um, types of uh, foods have different nutrients and vitamins and minerals and that sort of thing. So diversity is absolutely key. So we don't want to just limit ourselves to an exact number. We eat different things on different days. We do different things on different days, but as a bit of an average um, or as a good sort of starting point or baseline for most people, two serves of fruit a day is, um, is a good option. Now, question three from our listener says, is it healthy to use whey protein powder? It's my first time using it and I'm feeling bloated and kind of weird. So there's a few things that come to my mind when I think about this question. First off, I would consider it absolutely fine to use whey protein powder. If you're somebody that doesn't eat dairy at all or um, is plant-based, then you can use a plant-based protein powder. That's fine as well. Now, my biggest thing is that I want you guys to think about using a protein powder as a supplement to your diet. We know from the evidence and the research that the best thing that you can do for fat loss and even just to maintain your weight and, and maintain health is to evenly distribute your protein throughout the day. So where I see the benefits of using a protein powder and whey protein powder is absolutely fine is to help evenly distribute that protein throughout the day to help boost your intake of protein to 25 to 30 grams of protein per meal. That's pretty easy done lunch and dinner. Most people are able to get that in, but it's breakfast where particularly females really struggle with that, particularly if you're going to eat something like fruit and yogurt or, um, uh, you know, rolled oats or, um, you know, cereal and milk, that sort of thing, you're really missing out on that vital amount of protein for breakfast. So I don't like using protein powders as a whole meal or even as a snack. I like using them to boost the nutritional profile of the meal, to boost that protein content from maybe I don't know, 10, 12 grams if you're having a bowl of oats or um, some cereal or something up to that sort of 25, 30 grams if you're an active female. And the easiest way to do that, um, you know, you're not going to sit down and eat chicken breast for breakfast. And most people aren't going to get in four eggs at breakfast time, which would sort of be required to get you up to that, you know, close to 30 grams of protein. Easy way to do that is to add a bit of protein powder into your meal. So 
When you're experiencing symptoms such as bloating and, and feeling a bit weird from it, it could come down to the amount as well. A lot of protein powder company, they're all companies, you know, they, they work on the basis that the more product they sell, the more profit they make. So on the back of protein labels, most of them will say, you know, take a 30 to 35 to 40 gram serving. When you're using that protein powder just to purely boost the content of a meal, you don't need like 40 grams in a meal because don't forget, you're still getting a small amount of protein from things like rolled oats. You're getting, you know, a good whack of protein from something like milk or yogurt and you're getting some good protein from if you might have say like an egg on toast or something like that what we really want to do is just boost you up to that 25 to 30 grams per meal so you're hitting that um, good amount of protein intake to um, maximize protein synthesis regularly throughout the day but what that means is that you're using that protein powder as an addition to a meal not purely because of a meal now more protein isn't necessarily always better. I always say just because something's healthy for you doesn't mean that you need to eat a whole lot of it. So you don't need to necessarily follow the exact recommendations on the back of the container. Uh, maybe plug it into something simple like, um, you know, a fitness tracking app like my fitness pal or something and get a rough idea of what would be considered, you know, what is my usual breakfast? How would I achieve 30 grams of protein? If you're having a tub of yogurt and some fruit and a bit of muesli for breakfast, that might be giving you say 15 grams of protein or something. Then you would aim for another 10 to 15 grams, maybe boosted by a bit of protein powder. So you don't necessarily need to use the entire amount in your protein powder because for some people, um, they might have a bit of a lactose intolerance. So that's not a, uh, like an allergy to dairy. It's just intolerance to the carbohydrate contained in milk, which is, um, you know, there's milk protein in, in whey protein powder. So whey protein powder is typically quite low in lactose, um, but it really does depend um, on some people and your tolerance to that. So perhaps if you're feeling a bit bloated and a bit weird from using protein powder, start with halving the dose and see how you go there. Um, also look at the, the types of sugars and sweeteners used in your protein powder. A lot of um, different types of sugars, uh, particularly the sugar alcohols, the ones ending in ol. So think about like um, mannitol, xylitol, those types of um, artificial sweeteners can cause a lot of symptoms in people who have a bit of a sensitive tummy. So that could be where some of that bloating comes in as well. So really flick over the back of your protein powder packet or tub and really look at the ingredient panel. In my honest opinion, your protein powder should only have one to three ingredients. If you're using a whey protein powder, it should be 100% whey protein plus potentially an emulsifier plus potentially a natural sweetener like stevia. There should be nothing else in there. It really kind of grates on me when a lot of protein powder companies dump all of these extra things into their protein that's just simply not needed. You know, you don't need, you know, I've seen protein powders mixed with coconut flour and chia seeds and extra carbohydrate and mixed with extra milk powder and that sort of thing. You're purely using protein to boost the protein content of a meal. You don't need extra carbs and fat and, and that sort of thing in that protein powder. It's not a meal replacement. You're purely using it to boost the protein of that meal. So you just want protein um, in that powder, nothing else additional. You don't need all of these other, you know, I've seen protein patterns with 20, 30 ingredients on their ingredient list. I would recommend choosing a protein powder, one to three ingredients maximum. Look at the types of artificial sweeteners in there. I'd recommend if you do want a sweetened one, not a natural one, um, using a natural sweetener, something like stevia, um, and also looking at the amount that you're having as well. But um, the I guess the easy answer to your question is yes, whey protein powder can absolutely be healthy, but if you're experiencing some symptoms, try halving the dose and try looking at the brand that you've picked up in the shops or online and making sure that it's as natural as possible with as minimal ingredients as possible. I hope that helps. 
Alrighty guys, uh, question number four. Tips on cutting back sugar. I have a massive sweet tooth, but I hate alternatives like stevia. All right, so this is something that I get asked all of the time, particularly by women, and I have to say that it starts with your mindset. What you tell yourself is what you believe. So if you constantly go around telling yourself and everybody else, I'm addicted to sugar, I have a massive sweet tooth, I, I can't cut back sugar, guess what's going to happen, guys? You're going to be addicted to sugar, you're going to have a massive sweet tooth. So start by telling yourself a different story. It Everything in life honestly comes back to your mindset. What you believe is what you're going to follow through with. Remember, we've talked about psychology a lot here. Your thoughts influence your emotions, which influence your behaviors. So start with your thoughts and start telling yourself a different story. Stop saying you have a massive sweet tooth. Stop saying you're addicted to sugar, because if you keep telling yourself that, that's going to happen. So next tip, um, add protein and fiber into every single meal. I've talked about the importance of this. Typically females do not get enough protein at breakfast time. They don't get enough fiber at breakfast time, and they definitely don't get enough fiber at lunchtime. A sandwich or a wrap with a little bit of salad in it is nowhere near enough fiber and vegetable salad bulk to keep you full and satisfied after that meal. So if you've got sweet cravings after, um, you know, lunchtime in the sort of mid afternoon or, um, after dinner time, Generally, that's some sort of habit, but it also could come back to the nutritional composition of your meal. Are you getting in that 25 to 30 grams of protein in that meal to keep you full and satiated? Are you hitting your fiber intake in that meal to keep you full and satiated? Have you got your palm-sized piece of protein or a quarter of a plate of protein in that meal and you know two to three cups of um, non-starchy vegetables or salad? So I've talked about the statistics before. 96% of people do not eat enough vegetables. So start there. If you've got problems with sugar and sugar cravings, start by eating enough vegetables and salads. Stop focusing on the things that you can't have and focus on the things that you can have in abundance. Add as much fiber, salad, vegetables into your meals as possible. Um, but with fiber, always increase your intake slowly. So if you're somebody who doesn't eat any salad or veggie at lunch, don't go and then buy the biggest salad possible for lunch because it could add to a little bit more um, bloating and discomfort. So your body does take a little bit of time to get used to increased amounts of fiber. So always increase your, your intake slowly. If you add say one cup of vegetables to your dinner in the next week, add two. And the week after that, add three. So really gradually increase your amount of fiber intake. Um, now sugar and cravings generally come back to habit. So as I said, it starts with your mind, but it's also a habit. So a lot of people say, you know, I, I crave sugar after dinner. And I say, well, why is that? They're like, I don't know. It's just something about dinner. It's just this habit that you've reinforced in yourself over time. You know, you don't crave sugar after you eat breakfast. You don't crave sugar after you eat lunch. What is it about dinner? It's this pattern that you've gotten yourself into. So you need to break this pattern. So if you're in the habit of always craving sweets after dinner, you need to put something in place to break that pattern. So everything you normally do after dinner, you might eat dinner, you might go watch TV, and then you might wander into the kitchen and look for something sweet. You need to break that pattern. So stop doing the things that you've always done. Instead of eating dinner in front of the TV then, and then watching TV for the rest of the night, go and do something different. Go for a walk outside or go and have a hot shower or go and read and do some journaling in the next room. You need to put something in there that interrupts that pattern to interrupt that habit, to get you into a new habit. Because sweet cravings are just bad habits in the majority of cases. 
Um, and if you're somebody that is really having a hard time cutting back on sugar in things like tea and coffee, um, you did mention that you don't like alternatives like stevia. So I'm assuming that you're putting, you know, things like um, sugar into things like tea and coffee. I would recommend just going cold turkey. Now it sounds a bit crazy. You could do it two ways. You could either gradually cut down. Say you're somebody who has a couple of cups of tea and coffee a day with say two sugars in each one. You could cut that down to one and a half. And then a few weeks later, cut it down to one teaspoon of sugar. A few weeks later, cut it down to half a teaspoon. A few weeks later, cut it down to zero. The thing with your taste buds is, and a lot of people don't realize, they take about six to eight weeks to adapt to anything new. So the minute you cut something down, it's going to taste like ass for at least six to eight weeks. But you push through and in six to eight weeks time, it's going to start to taste not so bad anymore. And then one day it'll be like, oh, that actually doesn't taste you know, bad at all. I actually quite enjoy it like this. And then that's going to become your new normal and your new standard. But the thing with cutting down so gradually is it takes so much longer over time. If you just went from what you're doing to no tea and coffee, originally it's going to taste like ass. And then it's going to taste, oh, this isn't so bad. I don't have to grit my teeth every time I drink this. A couple of weeks later, you know, I'm kind of getting used to this now. It's not as bad. A couple of weeks later, I actually kind of enjoy this. A couple of weeks later, somebody accidentally puts sugar in your tea and coffee and you're like, oh my God, what is this? This is so sweet. So my, I guess this is the way that my brain works that I would rather go cold turkey, but you may not be, I guess, programmed the same as me. So you might want to cut down gradually. But the thing is, you've got to give yourself time. And if you've gotten used to always having a ton of sugar in your tea and coffee, it's going to take time to be able to cut that down. But if you're putting that much sugar in your tea and coffee, I can promise you that you don't actually like tea and coffee and the benefits of, you know, the tea and coffee are being outweighed from the massive sugar hit. So I would just, you know, get back to basics and drink tea and coffee how it was supposed to be drunk, you know, years and years and years ago is without any sort of sugar at all. So that would be my recommendation there. And bearing in mind that it can take up to eight weeks for your taste buds to adapt and for you to actually start to enjoy that again. But I would persevere, I would push through, and I would just keep telling yourself a different story that you actually really like this. You actually enjoy the taste of this tea and coffee unsweetened. And eventually I promise you that your brain will connect on and you'll actually start to enjoy that. But you've just got to push through and be consistent with those habits. But remember, it all starts with your mind. So start telling yourself a different story and eventually your brain and your body will follow through with that story and you'll realize that sugar is not even an issue for you anymore and you actually really like the taste of fresh fruits and veggies um, and plenty of whole foods without needing to put sugar into everything. Alrighty, question number five from Rebecca. How much fiber should be in the diet and what foods are high in fiber? Okay, so the general health guidelines in Australia recommend um, this is for healthy people as well. If you've got different conditions, if you've got, um, you know, bowel conditions or that sort of thing, these recommendations are always for healthy people. So if you have anything that a condition that's considered outside of the norm, I would definitely touch base with your health professional. But for general healthy people, they recommend 25 grams of fiber a day for women and 30 grams of fiber a day for men. But in my experience, particularly with um, in the gut health um, sort of area, I honestly would aim for 30 to 35 grams a day for men and women. Obviously, men have a, a slightly uh, higher recommendation because they tend to eat more because they tend to have larger bodies than what females do. But I generally myself would eat at least 35 grams of fiber a day. And I know a lot of my gut health patients, particularly those with um, constipation and slow bowels, um, really benefit from you know 35, even 40 grams in some patients. It is a bit individualized and the amount of fiber that you have does need to in be increased in your diet very, very slowly along with plenty of water. If you go from having very minimal fiber 
to a ton of fiber plus minimal water, you're going to run into a whole world of problems. So please increase your intake very slowly and make sure your water intake increases with that as well. Now, so my sort of recommendations personally, as a, as a gut health dietitian, who's quite specialized in this area, I recommend everyone aim for 30 grams of fiber a day and sort of assess that as your standard. If you find that you're still a little bit bloated and blocked up after that, you can increase a little bit more, but the majority of people don't get anywhere near 30 grams of fiber a day. So aiming for that as a baseline, building up gradually over the next couple of weeks and couple of months would be a really good strategy for most people. Now, foods that are high in fiber, I want to talk to you guys about the three types of fiber that I think are really, really important. So soluble fiber is one of my favorite types of fiber. It's the type of fiber that's very sort of gentle and bulky. So it helps to slow down the, the emptying process in our stomach, which helps you to full, feel fuller and more satisfied for longer. It also can help to lower cholesterol and to stabilize out your blood sugar levels. So soluble fiber is really, really important, particularly for people who may have diabetes. So soluble fiber is found in different types of fruits and veggies. You can find it in rolled oats, barley and legumes as well. Now, on the flip side, insoluble fiber is more that roughage type of fiber. Think of it as the type of fiber that's like a broom, like it goes through and sweeps out everything clean in your digestive tract. So it's that type of fiber that it helps to pull more water into our uh, into our stools and soften our stools, and it helps to keep um, regular regular bowel motion uh, bowel motions as well. So it's really that fiber that helps to. Um, I guess, soften our stools and helps to move everything through. So for people who experience constipation, insoluble fiber is really, really important. So it helps to also keep us um, fuller for longer and helps to maintain the healthy environment in our bowel. Now, insoluble fiber is found in more our, like our roughage types of things like whole grains, nuts, seeds, wheat bran. It's also found in and just underneath the skin of fruits and vegetables. So we want both types of fiber in our diet. Soluble fiber, which is that gentle bulking fiber, and the insoluble fiber, which draws in the water and helps to move everything through properly. There's also a third type of fiber, which I absolutely love for gut health. It's called resistant starch. It's not digested in your small intestine like normal fiber. Instead, it makes its way all the way to the large intestine where it can be broken down and, and help produce good types of bacteria. And it helps to improve, um, improve your bowel health as well. So resistant starch is, is really cool. It's found in um, undercooked pasta, overripe bananas. And when you cook and cool some starches like potato and rice, this increases the amount of resistant starch, which is why I'm such a huge fan of meal prep because you might cook some potato and some rice, you might pop it in the fridge and that cooking and cooling part of it actually builds the resistant starch in the food. And if you guys are interested in resistant starch um, and prebiotics anymore, please go and listen to the podcast that we did around prebiotics as well. Um, it was probably uh, quite a few episodes now with, um, with Cara as well. That was a great podcast. So resistant starch is, um, is an awesome type of fiber as well, but you want all three. You want the soluble fiber, the insoluble fiber, and the resistant starch. So foods that I include in my diet daily, if um, or at least every sort of like two to three days, are things like nuts, chia seeds, flax seeds, um, beans, lentils, and legumes, fresh whole fruit, vegetables, starchy and non-starchy, salads, rolled oats, and other types of whole grains as well, plus cooked and cooled carbohydrates such as potato with the skin on and high fiber pasta. I also love um, soaking rolled oats and making things like overnight oats because that can help with, you've got the soluble fiber in the oats and you also build some of that resistant starch by soaking your oats overnight as well. So I hope that helps to answer your question. I think that most healthy people should be aiming for 30 grams of fiber a day. Um, and if you just do a quick Google, um, something like um, 
Baker ID, um, they have some wonderful resources on there showing you the different types of fiber and the different types of fiber in food as well. But if you feel like you're not getting enough fiber in your diet or you're, you're trying yourself, but you're not able to achieve it, or you've got, you know, you really blocked up, you're quite constipated, ask your doctor for a referral to a dietitian and they can do a full assessment of your diet and work out, um, you know, what parts of your diet are lacking. But the biggest take home message here is to increase your fiber intake slowly and over time with making sure you have plenty of um, fluid as well, because too much fiber and not enough fluid is going to cause you a whole world of problems. So go slow, increase gradually and be aiming for around about 30 grams a day from whole food sources. You know, we don't want to be having a protein bar with 12 grams of fiber in it because it's just not you know, it's not the way that nature intended. It's not a great source of fiber. You really do want the fiber that's bound up in your whole food sources because you're getting a lot of vitamins and minerals and that sort of thing with it as well. Alrighty, question number six. Can I mix BCAAs into a hot drink? So branched chain amino acids. I actually did a little bit of digging to find some research here and I didn't really find a lot of research evidence based. I found a lot of bro science articles and a lot of protein powder company articles just saying that it was okay or saying that you shouldn't do it, but I really had a hard time struggling to find some evidence for it. But I did find a great paper. Uh, it was a study on some liver cirrhosis patients at a hospital um, done back in 2019. So it's a bit old, but I think it's still quite relevant. And what that paper found was that heating BCAAs didn't affect the stability of the BCAAs at all. Um, and it actually may help to improve the compliance with these liver cirrhosis patients in terms of taking these um, BCAA-rich supplements. Um, I think the important thing to note in this study is that although heating didn't affect the stability of it, so it was okay to heat it, the study actually only tested the thermal um, denaturization of the BCAAs up to 80 degrees. So it didn't actually test boiling point. Um, they didn't, you know, heat water to 100 degrees, dump the BCAAs in and then give it to the patients and measure it. They actually only measured it. Um, they did, I think, 45 degrees, 60 degrees and 80 degrees was the maximum that they went up. So I wouldn't um, necessarily be mixing it into sort of boiling hot products, but I think just mixing it in, in warm water or hot water um, would, would be absolutely okay and wouldn't affect the stability of it as well. So I hope that um, helps to answer that question. Alrighty guys, final question, question seven. How do you personally know if you're eating enough for your training, especially if lots of veggies fill you up? Okay, this is a great question and I love this because um, a lot of people uh, do listen to me for weight loss, but some people actually listen to me because um, they just want to, I guess, maintain their weight or be healthy or actually even gain some weight. So how do you know if you're eating enough for your training? Well, the easiest thing to do would be to use either the scales or an item of clothing to track whether or not you're losing or gaining weight. Obviously, you're not going to do that daily. As I talked about in a previous question, I wouldn't recommend ever weighing yourself more than once a week at an absolute you know, um, maximum. I would probably just even track your weight once a fortnight under the same conditions on the same day and see if you're losing or gaining any weight because that's probably the easiest way to see if you're, if you're gaining weight. You're probably eating... Um, eating more than what your energy output is. And if you're losing weight, you're probably over exercising. Your energy output is too large for your energy input, the calories that you eat. Another really telltale sign, particularly for females, if, you're, um, if you've lost your period or you've um, got irregular menstruation cycles. So that would be a red flag for me. I would 100% send you off to your GP to get some further testing for that. Um, 
And it does make it very difficult if you're if you're on something like the pill because you might not be able to to track that properly. But if you're um, yeah, if you have lost your period or you've got um, very irregular um, menstruation, I would definitely be be popping up to see your doctor for that. Um, another telltale sign if you're not eating enough for your training could be your energy levels. You know, are you waking up after a good night's sleep and you still feel like you've been hit by a bus? You know, are you really really struggling to get through your workouts? Um, have your level of um, I guess output or or energy throughout your workouts has that been decreasing lately did you used to be able to get in there and smash your workout yet you've changed your your eating and your exercise patterns in the last couple of months you're really struggling to even complete a workout you know like you feel like you're about to die before the end of the workout that's another telltale sign that you're probably not eating enough for your training loads um another telltale sign do you get sick a lot are you always injured a lot a big big red flag if you're under eating and over training is if you're constantly getting sick or you're constantly getting injured. That's your body's sort of like natural defense mechanism to say, oh, hold on, pull back a little. I've got to shut down some processes in the body. I need to get, I need to force you to take some time off because you're just not giving me enough fuel to keep up. So if you're constantly sick and you're constantly injured or you're constantly just, you've got all these little niggles and things just don't feel right and everything's just so much harder, I would definitely recommend getting um, and seeing a, a sports dietitian one-on-one for a full assessment. So they're probably Probably my just top tips to, to know if you're eating enough for your training. So are you losing or gaining weight? Do you have issues with your period or have you lost your period entirely? Um, how do your energy levels feel throughout the day? Are you waking up feeling exhausted after a good night's sleep? Are you having problems completing your workout or problems with the intensity of your workout? You're just not able to follow through like you used to. Um, are you always sick? Are you always injured? Um, and are you just completely confused about what you should be eating for the type of exercise that you're doing? And another big telltale sign, if you're doing more than one exercise session a day as well, um, I really don't think that anybody bar, um, you know, full-time athletes should be exercising more than once a day. I see a lot of clients who say to me, you know, I've been trying to lose weight for ages. I'm, I'm not losing any weight. I'm exercising twice a day. And I'm like, who needs to exercise twice a day? Like unless you're an athlete and they're the requirements of your sport, that's absolutely okay. But you should be under professional guidance from a sports dietitian to ensure that your intake is enough for your huge training loads. But if you're just a normal person like me and like a lot of ladies that follow me, you really do not need to be exercising twice a day. If you're not getting the results that you want, you need to be looking at your nutrition, not your training. Overtraining doesn't help anybody, particularly, you know, it just leaves you feeling weak, exhausted, more prone to being sick or injured. Back off your training sessions. I personally only train three, four times a day a week, five times if it's a great week, on average, probably only four times a week. And that is absolutely okay for me to achieve my goals, um, maintain my weight, um, be completely healthy. People who are training, you know, twice a day, five times a week, you are just absolutely overdoing it and you're just setting yourself up for failure. So really, really think about that guys. Um, and, and look for those other telltale signs as well. Losing weight unintentionally, poor energy levels, sick, injured, um, problems sleeping, problems with your energy levels. Also mood fluctuations can can play a large role in, in underfueling as well. Um, and always, always, always see a, a specialized sports dietitian for a one-on-one assessment if you've got any of those um, flags that we mentioned. Alrighty guys, that is all the questions that I have time for today. I hope you enjoyed those seven questions. I've actually got a ton more that have come through. So what I'm gonna do is split that up to a part two of a Q&A. So I've got another 
four, five, six, seven, eight questions that I'm going to answer in part two. So if you enjoyed this, please let me know, leave me a review um, or send me a DM or tag me in some stories on Instagram and let me know that you actually enjoyed um, these Q&A little, um, this little podcast today, actually, you know, answering some personal questions from you guys, because if I don't hear any feedback, I probably won't be likely to do it again in the future. But if you really did enjoy it and you found it valuable, please do let me know. And um, also remember that I've got a couple of spots left for my premium one-on-one coaching program, Lean Gut Mind Method. It is a premium service. You get daily contact with myself or one of my co-coaches to help you achieve your goals. Um, Don't forget your health is an investment. Invest in your health. I promise you it'll pay off tenfold in the future. And if you're a busy woman, if you're struggling to prioritize your health, if you're struggling to achieve your goals, if you're confused as hell, let me or one of my coaches show you the way. Lean Gut Mind Method is a personalized coaching service. We have the expertise and we give you the personalization and the proven system of tools to help you achieve your results and live in live your best life basically in an empowered body that you choose because we don't want you to go through life always being on the back foot and always um, you know, second guessing your health and being confused as hell and not knowing what to do. We want you to be able to thrive, to exercise because you love it and to fuel your body with great nourishing foods that are enough for you and your lifestyle so that you feel incredible and you're jumping out of bed with plenty of energy. So if you'd like to apply for my one-on-one coaching program, head to leangutmindmethod.com or send me a DM on Instagram and I can send you some more information. I will catch you guys in podcast number 45 next week.